0: Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com podcast. Let's get started. Hello again, it's Dan Kenner from the Casual Author Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. So I record this and this is episode 67 of the podcast. Today we're talking to Jenya DeLima, about finding and identifying the correct audience for your book. So this is something that is always on the mind of authors, new or old, when it comes to writing and marketing and selling your book. If you can't find your audience or if you don't know your audience, then how are you supposed to know who might want to read your books or where to sell your book? So really enlightening conversation. I know I heard I you learned so much from it and I anticipate that you will learn a lot from it as well. So there's that. So, before we get into that, I always like to talk about the the updates. So, in terms of writing updates, I'm thrilled to say that The Etcher's Plight, which is my uh, current work in progress, is completed now. Clocked in at 169,000 words. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that my intended target was around 120. I'm unsurprised that I went over that. I'm a little bit surprised that I went so far over that. And it does lend to my... um, Panzer brain the way it works the the story became far more complicated than I expected it to be but I mean I've realized it's a four book series so it probably is not unreasonable to expect that it would reach 169k will I cut some stuff out probably I think I can identify already a chapter here or there at the beginning that didn't really fit in with what I needed to go with, you know, where I was going with the book. So I may cut those out, but each of those is only a couple thousand words. So it's, it's probably not going to get anywhere below 160 when all the editing is said and done. I will not be editing it immediately. I need to sit away from it for a while. Um, So I'm going to be working on some other projects. I've been working on more Tyrion tales. So once again, those are fantasy shorts for kids. The idea is that they're meant to be bedtime stories, but they are around 28 to 3,500 words. So I know that's a little bit lengthy for some kids, but I've heard a lot of feedback from people saying their kids love them. Um, If you want to get your kids into fantasy reading, take a look at those Tyrion tales. There will be a link in the bio again, but I'm working on more of those. I'm also continuing to work on the uh, co-authoring book, which we are calling the Kids of Cyber City right now. It's kind of a working title. I'm working with Laura Hughes on that. Um, It's been really fun. It's insightful to work with somebody else. Uh, Co-authoring has been far more exciting than I expected it to be. But boy, it's, it's interesting to work with someone whose brain works differently than yours. She is also a discovery writer or pantser, um, which is good. I think we both have some understanding on that level. But my my degree of pantsing is far higher than hers, which isn't a problem. Uh, I've already indicated that I don't operate on plans at all, and she's aware of that. Uh, but already we've had way more discussions about the plot and what we think should happen than I normally even think through when I'm writing the books. So I'm sure I've already thrown her for a loop when I write my chapters, you know, throwing an extra twist that I don't plan for. But it's it's going well, we're really having a lot of fun. I think that we'll be able to hit the target of the end of the year writing the three books, because the each is only roughly I mean, it's hard to say we're going to target about 60 to 70,000 words, which is less than half of most of my books that I write. And I'm only writing roughly half those words. So to me, You know, writing thirty to 35,000 words, it's not a huge deal per book. I can handle that. But it's really fun. Loving the process so far. In terms of author... This is an author news. It's just kind of an interesting tidbit for you. A couple episodes ago, I talked about hearing about an intuitive writer's book. The book is called Dear Writer, Are You Intuitive?, and I have been reading that book, I'm about 60% through it, and can I just tell you how much I resonate with a book? This this is unaffiliated, <laughs> no one's paying me to tell you about this book. I just want to say that as a discovery writer, it is refreshing to read a book that actually talks about the intuitive portion or the, the discovery right now. It's not fully for discovery writers, it ta- goes into plotting as well and how intuition goes into plotting. If you haven't read this book, I definitely recommend it. It will resonate with you. I I guarantee it, especially if you are a discovery writer. It makes me feel way more confident in my writing process, whereas before, you know, I was always wondering, is this even going well? Am I writing effective stories? And to be fair, I don't know for sure. I don't have massive sales to back that up. But, you know, my reviews are good, and a lot of people say that they've enjoyed them. So, just trusting in your intuition, trusting in your process, and it also goes into intuitive marketing so really interesting talks about perhaps planning or you know following the conscripted ideas and uh, ideologies for marketing doesn't work for you maybe you need to trust your intuition when it comes to marketing and i'm just eating it up because that is me to a t i don't like planning i don't like following the specific methods talked about by everybody especially if they don't feel like they work for me sometimes they do and when they don't, it feels kind of weird. But this book goes into how you should trust your intuition, why it works, and different types of intuition. Anyway, I'll put links in the show notes. Definitely recommend it. I think you will find value in that. In terms of homestead news, yes, um, I, I posted a video on. Uh, my YouTube channel about the chickens and there's kind of a fun video about the different sized eggs because our chickens are laying. So just yesterday we got 11 eggs. We have 15 laying hens and until about a week ago we were only getting one, two, maybe zero eggs a day usually Um, and we've started getting it's mostly seven, eight. And then once again, it was 11 yesterday. So our egg catcher or our egg holder is full again. And it is so nice to now be feeding chickens that are actually giving us eggs. <laughs> so not that I'm against pets, but chickens are kind of a weird pet, especially um, 17 of them. It was the point of 17 chickens as pets if they're not um, producing anything, so it's refreshing. We're getting those eggs; they taste better. It's great to see them on the spiral, and we haven't had to buy eggs in like two weeks. And if you if you're buying eggs now, you know why that's glorious. They're so expensive these days, <laughs> so it's great to be getting those eggs. And the chickens are living up to their potential right now, and it'll be better in the summer as well. Uh, we've had a lot of wind, so the drifts are wild. And when I'm outside working with the goats, the goats are pretty. They're hardy; they don't care. Um. But their houses, the walls just have drifts up the side. We've turned their houses in a way that the snow doesn't blow in. Um, but their water buckets got buried the other day under the snow because the wind just blew it. And the drifts were massive. I had to bear, dig out the buckets of water so I could replace them. So I'm looking forward to this winter ending. Um, but the kidding date is rapidly approaching. Our, our goats will have their kids... I believe end of April, beginning of May. And I know that sounds far away, but it's really not. It's going to be here so fast. And we found out that one of our cats is pregnant. Um, again, we're not surprised. Uh, she is a barn cat and she was not fixed. So it obviously could happen. It's happened before. Um, it's all right, though, because we do need a couple more barn kittens. The more you have, the better, because there's a lot of mice. We live around fields. There's plenty of food. And they're, they're chunky cats because, I mean, they're sleek and strong uh but they're they're fat because they eat a lot of mice even in the winter that's it's impressive in any case so uh, i'll be posting a youtube video probably about the kittens at some point and like i said we'll keep a few last time she had kittens she had six so more than likely she's going to have that many as well uh, i believe that's it for the homestead news yeah nothing else to, to go on so we'll go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast Jania DeLima is an experienced developmental and line editor, as well as a writing coach for authors. Hey, Jania, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How about you?
0: Doing very well. Um, I'm excited to to learn more from an editor. I love talking to editors because my brain doesn't work like an editor. I, I wish it did, and I'm trying to train it to, but it just doesn't um, work. <laughs> we need <really>. writers, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We all we all have our place in the authoring or the publishing world, I should say. Um, So tell us a little bit about you. What are you about? What services do you offer? Have you written and published books yourself? I just want to learn a a little bit about you.
1: The writing that I've had published is probably not that exciting. I wrote some peer-reviewed journal articles, some book reviews for the NHS dialogue about child development because my background was in developmental psychology with a focus on early childhood so that's really where i started as far as my career but i quickly learned that being in the research sphere was not really my thing Mm -hmm. i enjoyed reading about research but i didn't enjoy the actual research part it just it felt kind of draining because you're doing the same thing over and over and over again sometimes with hundreds of people. And I think it was the monotony of doing the same thing because even though there's variance, it's still just so similar. And working in fiction is the exact opposite of that because even if two books are similar with trope or their genre, they're still not the same.
0: So it's Mm. just something Mm.
1: new and exciting constantly. And as for what I do, I'm a developmental inline editor for the most part, but I also do copy editing. And help with other parts of publishing, such as marketing.
0: I mean, mark, we'll, we'll get to the marketing bit. That's a beast in and of itself. Part so, of the topic that we're going to talk about has to do with marketing for sure. Uh-huh. But how did you fall in love with editing? What, what do you love about the editing process that makes you want to do this full time?
1: I have always been a person who reads all the time. To the point mm-hmm. that I would get in trouble at school. I would get in trouble with my parents. You know, put that book down. Or I'm going to throw it away, or just leave half an hour ago. Uh, you know, hiding flashlights in my room so I could read in my room at night—that sort of thing. That's just always been who I am. But I'm also very analytical, and I'm sure that's because of my background and having worked in academia and statistics. And so it's a way to take those analytical skills and apply them to a different medium. But it's a medium that I enjoy, and I can't. It's hard to explain, but. It's just, you know, when you find something that's right for you and it just has that all encompassing feeling of yes, this is what I should be doing. That's how I feel about editing.
0: Yeah, it's so good that there are people like you in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because if they were like me i would i would run away from editing so fast but I, I appreciate editors every editor i've worked with has impressed me with their skill with their just their eye for detail and their knowledge about what's right particularly in the language that they're editing but also in the genre you know because right. there's like stylistic things per genre and there's all sorts of things that as a writer you maybe don't notice i'm a pantser as well so I don't, I don't plan out my books. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to editing.
1: It's, it's a thing. It is just a thing. It's We're a thing. It a negative or a positive connotation. It doesn't yeah. need either one. It just Correct.
0: is. I mean, it is what I what it is. And I've, I've, I can't plot. I've tried. But it, I just appreciate the editing and it's great. I've looked at your services and it's impressive that you not only have an interest, but you can spend so much time doing it. You know, it, it, these mm-hmm. books take a very long time to write and a very long time to edit and just having that patience and that interest is amazing. So thank you for what well, you thank do. Thank you. And, that. you
1: know, editors wouldn't be here without you guys.
0: So, I suppose that's true. I mean, there's always like um, articles, scientific articles and research articles that might need editing. But I don't know if that's a, your cup of tea nowadays. since You're into fiction now.
1: No, so I have I have moved on from that. You've moved I on. Still you're get, done. Yes, I still get the random request about can you help me structure my essay or show me where my argument might be weak. But it is not my preference. <laughs>
0: I I can understand that for sure. So let us I'm really interested to pick your brain about finding the right audience, knowing your audience and understanding them, because this plays into not only the writing and the editing, but also the marketing piece, which we can cover all of those separately. So from your perspective, let's talk about the importance first off. So from your perspective, why is finding and understanding your audience so important?
1: Well, if you look at it from the very beginning part where you aren't, Maybe you're not even writing yet. It helps Mm -hmm. serve as a guide for as you are writing, because when you're stuck, you can ask yourself, well, would my audience prefer this happens, or would my audience prefer this were to happen? And it gives you these little guideposts along the way, because you're also playing along with your genre and what's expected within your genre, which is Mm -hmm. also part of finding your audience. And you sort of want to follow these expectations just because, Well, and you can see this if you go to Goodreads or similar, and you look at reviews where someone has just thrown all these guidelines to the wayside and said, you know what, I'm doing my own thing, which is what we call literary fiction, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) they market it as you know, sci-fi or contemporary women's fiction or something else, where there are these expectations that go along with it. And when you don't have your audience completely pegged, you might not be aware that these expectations are there. And that you could be disappointing your readers just because your book didn't line up with those.
0: It's a really interesting thought. I'm pausing and reflecting. <laughs> because, <laughs> Admittedly, I don't like I'm an intuitive person. I tried in the way I write in the way I market. And it, it, we could go into that a little bit later. I'm reading a book on intuitive writing right now. It's fascinating. But I went into writing my books without a very clear picture of the demographic of the audience, which. I don't think was a problem necessarily with my writing specifically, but it's Uh become a problem now trying to find those people to read the books. Right. Um, And I I think, like you said, it really lends to the author knowing, especially, especially when you're stuck, Hey, this is where I can go, or this is a good or bad thing in terms of tropes or, or characterization or plot or whatever. So how, how does someone find, how do they go about researching and finding their intended audience?
1: A lot of the advice that I've seen on various platforms talks about making your ideal, uh, your ideal reader Mm. and narrowing that down to one person. And while that's helpful advice, it also narrows it down so much that I think you have the possibility of somehow accidentally blocking out the actual group that you're writing for, your bigger population. But going into reading and writing communities or joining a book club, even where they read the same genre, I find those to be very helpful because, especially a book club, and there's so many online now where you can easily be in a book club with 100 other people reading the same book, you can get a really good feel for what people do and do not like within your genre. You know, so if 80% of the people said, I didn't like this guy because he did this and this and this, or... They have an issue with the ending, and they say, the last 15% fell flat for me, and then they each go into great detail about why it fell flat for them, or why perhaps it didn't feel like it was within the parameters of that genre, which is what they were expecting to see, and that sort of informal information can be extremely helpful.
0: That's really interesting. So I'm I'm not part of any club book clubs, but I can definitely understand how that would be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. What would you remac- recommend for someone who might be too introverted to join something like a discussion or a book club? Are those kind of like passive look in type situations? Is, can an introverted person still get involved with those?
1: Oh yeah. I'm fairly introverted for the most part, not so much online, but just going in with the capacity of I'm going to be a viewer. I'm going to, take in all this information and see what I can get out of it. But sometimes too, you can also look up a book that is similar to yours or that you believe is similar to yours. And you can kind of get an idea from where they've marketed and then ask yourself, okay, is this my audience also? Is this also who I'm hoping to reach? Do I think they would like my book too? And it's not cheating necessarily, you know, skipping rules, but Finding those other similar books and then looking at who they market to or who you believe their target audience is can also help you in the process too, especially if it becomes overwhelming and you just reach that point where you're like, you know what? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just writing for myself or I'm just writing for people who enjoy this genre, which is too broad, but it's still a starting point. And you can narrow it down a little bit that way because you can start to see patterns emerge. You know, if people in the reviews all say, I love this climatic scene, it really drew me in. And you think, oh, I write similar climatic scenes, so I must also be targeting these people who are, you know, 30 to 50 and live in the Midwest or whatever.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, I'm glad you said earlier, that's not cheating. It's definitely not it's cheating. It's using <laughs> using your resources, right? Yes, researching Take
1: shortcuts when you can take the available oh. information and work with it. There's no reason that you have to recreate the wheel.
0: Absolutely. I think for me as an author, and I think there's other authors who might experience this as well. There's a little bit of a, um, a self doubt, Facet yeah. to this, right? Because certain authors that I love and books I would love to emulate in my writing in one way or another are like massive giants, you know, author um, giants, super yeah. successful. And I see them and think, oh man, there's no way. Like I'm afraid yeah. to compare <laughs> myself. this specific author because of how amazing they are and you've got a massive audience they're making it's not about the money but they've got enough business and readers that they're making tons of money and to say in an ad or something that i tried to target you know books like x it's just i'm sheepish (laughs) about that so what do you recommend to authors should they look for these big name authors should they look for kind of like more successful authors that aren't so big names is there a problem with citing these different authors i guess what's your perspective
1: The only problem would come if perhaps you're not self-aware while you're doing it because you Mm. don't want to have that backlash from people saying, I'm not seeing this at all. I don't see where the similarity is. I don't understand it. But other than that, no, because we need to be picking comps that your reader base is going to be familiar with. Mm. If you pick a book that was published to a very small audience and maybe, you know, 1% of the population has heard of it. That's not really helpful for you to use it as a comp. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're too niche now. It's not going to reach a wide enough audience where it's going to make sense to them.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, yeah, I just know that there's kind of a struggle for some other, for other authors when they're writing or publishing their books, kind of finding those comps and making sure they're actually appropriate. One thing that I found it's helpful is I have asked some of my readers what they would think. Mm-hmm. You know, it just because it's probably not ideal to have already written the book and not know this, but oh, no, I was there Then no, totally no, <laughs> to I said, what What are some of the books that are comparable to this? And it was mm-hmm. interesting to hear their responses. I was like, oh, you know, I can see it now that you say yeah. that, but I, I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up. So yeah, and I've, I'm not as I'm a kind of a well-read person. I mean, I like to read. I've read ever since I was a kid. I used to read, you know, 50 books a month, but now I'm an adult and 50 books a month is not realistic. <laughs> I've got, not anymore. I've got stuff um, on Stuff going on. Those were the good days. So in the absence of time to do enough market research, what do you recommend for, you know, busy authors who need to understand the market but maybe don't have time to join these book clubs that are reading multiple books a month?
1: Well, your suggestion to ask our readers is always a good idea because they're also looking at it from a different viewpoint than we are as the creator. And then as the editor, I will also list comps if someone asks for them. Or I might ask them, do you have comps already? Do you know what you would compare this to and why? And it doesn't have to be books either. You can use any sort of media. And sort of that it's a cross between this and this. you know. And one is a movie and one is a book. And sometimes your book that you're putting out will be so unique that you almost have to use a comp that's not a book. But that's totally fine, too, because you're still giving the reader an idea of what you expect, what they're going to find in your story. As long as it's something they're familiar with, again, it doesn't have to be a book.
0: Hmm. I didn't, I've never thought about comparing my books to movies, but it does seem kind of logical in a way. I mean, yeah, obviously right, that's not your first leap. Right. Story is mm-hmm. story. That's fascinating. So it's it's interesting that you brought this up as an editor. I would have never thought to have this conversation with my editors. And it's not a knock on my editors that they did an amazing uh-huh. job, but it does seem extremely relevant prior to you reading the book or even post reading to have that conversation to be like, okay, as I'm editing this, I just yeah. want to make sure, you know, what were you going for? And if the answer is nothing, I don't know. Then, well, here's my impression. This is what uh-huh. I learned or what I, I got from the story. I should have that conversation with my editors.
1: Oh, well, That's good. I'm, I'm glad I was already helpful.
0: I need to do that. So for you, how formal does this situ- does this understanding need to be? Do you recommend that authors write down their ideal audience, have a specific like template or, or whatnot for writing it down, or just think about it and have in their mind what they're hoping for?
1: I don't give anyone a strict process, just like I don't with writing, because I know that we all have very different ways of learning information, taking it in, absorbing it. So if you want to write down a character sheet and even assign your number one fan a fake name and all these mm. characteristics and a daily schedule, go for it. If you are more of an, a visual person and you want to make a Pinterest board about where you envision your ideal reader living and what they look like in their day-to-day process also, do that too. Part, a big part of it is just when you sit down and you're not thinking of anything else, And you picture someone picking this book up and sitting down and reading it. What kind of person comes into your head? What is the Mm. first thing that strikes you about this person? And why do you think that is? Why is that relevant to this person becoming your fan? All of of
0: those...
1: A little
0: bit of psychoanalysis. Yeah, I'm impressed that people, I I think I do know some people that go into that much detail about Mm -hmm. their readers and I'm wildly impressed. That to me feels like an (laughs) insurmountable Peak a mountain peak. I like, I don't even I can't even plan. I don't plan my books. I hardly plan my life. I can't imagine <laughs> mapping out or planning out the day for an invisible person who doesn't exist. I, but you know, if that helps you, I think it's great that you mentioned. Hey, that's an option. If that aids right. you in writing, you do what you need to do.
1: And uh, the key word there really is option. It doesn't yeah. have to be the way you do it. It's enough to say my book is very similar to books A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And then you try and think about, well, what do books A, B, and C have in common? Mm -hmm. So instead of assigning characteristics to your intended market, you might say, my book is for people who enjoy happy endings. Mm -hmm. Uh, My book is for people who like a lot of banter or a morally gray character. Mm -hmm. And you can use the, yeah, you can use the elements that are present in your book to help assign your audience.
0: That's an, another interesting point. Yeah, see, these are all very helpful perspectives to have, um, particularly for someone who pants is their book. Uh,
1: <laughs> and then they, pants oh, the marketing. <laughs>
0: and then pants the marketing. Yeah, so let's let's actually <laughs> jump to marketing. So I think it's probably I wouldn't say completely self-explanatory why knowing your audience helps with the marketing, but I just want to talk a little bit about it more specifically. So mm-hmm. how does marketing? How is that aided by understanding your audience and your perspective?
1: In a lot of ways, it might help marketing almost more than anything else because if you have to figure out how you're going to appeal to a group of people, you have to know who those people are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyone who's seen Mad Men knows that you're not going to appeal to everybody. You very It's just like advertising. You're selling yourself. You're selling your book. But who are you selling it to? You know, If you go up to a group of people ages, let's say, 15 to 85 from all different walks of life. You're not really hitting your target market there. I mean, there might be a few people they are like, oh, hey, yes, that sounds good to me. But you've also wasted a lot of time and resources on all these people who are not interested and were never going to be interested. So you're really saving yourself time also by making sure you have at least a rough idea of who these people are and what they're looking for.
0: Agreed, and I think there is maybe a misconception around understanding your audience or finding the right audience, creating the right audience, right for yourself and for your marketing. I'm that if you are pinpointing, man, <laughs> manifesting your audience, uh, that that if you're identifying these people or this type of people or person or whatever, that you are only able to sell your book to them well that's just not true right that is just how you target the marketing the messaging the images whatever you're doing and more often Mm -hmm. than not people in other demographics happen to like it as well exactly and that and i think people fear that they're limiting it to well i don't want to focus on that because what if i isolate that group and nobody else buys my book that's not what we're doing here um which we're just coming up with them. I'm saying this like I'm an expert. I don't don't (laughs) (laughs) do this very well. But I think logically, right, your messaging should be catered toward a specific group of people. Otherwise, it just comes off as fluff and boring. And no one cares.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like following that slope, you know, that you see all the time in statistics classes where you're always going to have outliers you know, we're just going to casually use outliers here to mean people that maybe don't fit your exact parameters for your audience. Mm -hmm. The majority of your people are going to be in the center of that giant bump. And those are the people you're, you're looking at. And yeah, of course you're going to have people that are falling on either side where let's say they don't fit 90% of how you would describe your audience, but they're still interested and they'll still be drawn to it in some way or another. But you also don't want to discount word of mouth because look at all these books that until bookstagram and book talk became a big thing, they weren't enjoying the same rate of success that they have now. So that shows that you find your real intended audience, you market to them, then they take your book and they just go all over the place with it and tell everybody in the world who will listen, Hey, you need to read this. This book is awesome. And now in a sense, you're letting them do your marketing for you because chances are people following their accounts would also be the same type of people that read your book since this person reads your book.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for that day. Just kidding. <laughs> no, there's, there's some word of mouth that happens to my books and I always appreciate people who share it with their family and friends. Um, but yeah, it's that, just a powerful form of marketing because there's some, tr- there's a lot of trust with it that, mm-hmm. you know, as an author trying to build trust with people who don't know you about your books and what's in them and what might interest them is challenging. It's not impossible. But right. yeah, the friends and family trust of, hey, I've read this book and I love it. Well, well, they know that person and they trust them. So they're more likely to pick it up and read it. So mm-hmm. it's invaluable.
1: Cool. And they tend to know what those other people like as well. So yeah. like my mom and I discuss books a lot and there are certain books that I really enjoy. But because I'm so familiar with her preferences, I can just immediately say, no, this is not a book for her.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <I> will, <laughs> I'll recommend it to somebody else, but not my mom.
0: It's good that you know that. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure mom would not trust your
1: yes, taste in, b- in books. <laughs> marketing uh, my book recommendation services to my intended audience of one.
0: Yes. Well, see, there you go. But you know that audience very well, right?
1: So, yes.
0: so, something that comes to mind is when you've identified your audience, how does that have an effect on where you do your marketing? Now, I know this is tricky because marketing's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You, you can pay for marketing. You could do free marketing. There's social media platforms all over the place. Um, so once you've identified your audience, how do you know what the right platform is? Or does it help you know where you should yes. be focusing your yes. attention?
1: Yes. And a big part of it is going to be the keywords that you use. Okay. And romance is just the first one that comes to mind because they are very keyword heavy people.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, you have.
0: Friends to lovers
1: <laughs> and enemies to lovers and grumpy sunshine, you know, all these phrases that might not make sense if you're not familiar with the romance genre. But knowing those keywords and knowing when to use those keywords, but if you hadn't done your market research, you might not be aware that these are important to include. Whereas including them does draw a lot more people to seeing your post or your ad or whatever it is that you're putting out. And likewise, people from different genres tend to hang out in different areas or discuss books in different areas. So that's something to look into also. So if you go to, you know, one social media platform and you realize that this online book community is focused only on romance, but you wrote a thriller, then maybe this isn't the place to be marketing your book and it might be a waste of your time. And that's not what you want because the whole idea of Developing this idea of your intended audience and marketing to them is maximizing your marketing, not just throwing it out in the wind and hoping for the best.
0: That would be so nice if you could just throw it out to the wind. <laughs> I yeah, just imagine someone
1: like yeah, blowing a dandelion and watching the seeds just gracefully flutter away. Yes, go reach everyone. Sick.
0: The beauty of it. I mean, I, th- I think there was, and, and I think there's this kind of stigma around publishing. There's a lot of people that think, hey, I can put up a book, whether uh-huh. traditionally or independently, and it'll just sell. Well, that's not the case. I mean, marketing no. is a lifelong effort. And if you come into this thinking otherwise, then you're going to be sad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <'cause laughs> very sad. The sadness will
0: never end. <laughs> it will never end. Now, I don't love the marketing aspect of it, but even talking about this, like for someone who hasn't, I'm I'm telling on myself a little bit today. I have not specifically sat down and thought, who is my audience? You know, I have like little inklings of these are the people that I'm kind of targeting, but I think for me, it's a little bit of a committal issue. I I don't want to (laughs) commit to like, well, this is what I was going for. This is the audience I'm going for. And it's, it's my own problem. But even thinking about this, oh yeah, I could make this TikTok video more targeted, more effective, or this Instagram post, you know, make it a little bit more pointed towards, that specific demographic or audience or whatever you're going for will actually help with the language. And I forget that, right? I'm scrambling constantly to think about what to post. But if you know your audience, it might become a little bit easier to know like, oh, they would appreciate seeing X or hearing X or whatever Mm -hmm. it is.
1: Or even inspiration for your book. So they might want to see certain areas and how they influenced something. And then some of the different genres too, you'll see that they have Something sort of slotted in social media for every day, Mm -hmm. you know, like First Line Friday, those sorts of things. So you already have some material there, even if you didn't realize it. But a lot of the time, readers are also interested in knowing who you are or what you're working on next, or maybe what you're reading and enjoying. Mm -hmm. And that's partially because there's that assumption again, if they enjoy your work, then they will probably enjoy your other work as well as works that you find enjoyable. Mm, mm -hmm. So just, just use it all.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about knowing the author, knowing the people that they're watching. Um, When you, if you're watching like a cold author without any personality, then it's less (laughs) likely for them to be interested in reading what you have. But yeah, hearing what they're up to, what books they're reading can definitely lend to that. Um I was just looking at your Instagram and you have one of those beautiful Instagram profiles. Um, um where everything is just perfect. I, I I love those accounts. They're amazing. And I tried for about a hot second when I first got on Instagram <laughs> to be that way and then realized hilariously hilariously that that was just not me. Um because I'm colorblind for one and oh, and <laughs> two I don't know I don't know what colors look good together and my de- my design skills are just laughable but it's okay i mean i think it's great that you know your strengths you know what you can put into it and you know some people may be better at making videos some people so because do what's comfortable for you is one thing when it comes to marketing
1: yes i completely agree because you will end up resenting it if it is not really your style or what you're comfortable with i tried going for like that homey cozy modern farmhouse look with my photos a few times just as an example And I did not enjoy it. It felt like work. It wasn't fun. And so I ditched it pretty quickly. (laughs) And it's the same thing with anything with marketing. If it makes you uncomfortable or you really just don't enjoy it at all, you don't need to do it. There are Mm -hmm. so many other avenues for marketing that you don't need to force yourself to do something that you just really detest. Mm -hmm. Plus you'll be more likely to put it off and then that's not going to help you either.
0: Well, no, definitely not. I have had those days. I, I can <laughs> say for sure that oh, I don't feel like doing this today. So I'm just not, which probably not great. <laughs> but so <laughs> I think, yes, I think when it comes down to understanding your audience, it's, it's, it's one of those things where there's not necessarily good and bad ways to do it, but there is a you should do it. You should at least think about it. You should consider this if not to aid you more than anything, right? You know, uh-huh. th- there are authors who are successful who may not be doing this very religiously. Um, and then there are authors who are who are also successful. But I think when it comes to peace of mind and ease of writing and and marketing, knowing your audience is only going to be a good thing.
1: Oh, yes. And it's very possible too that you have decided who your audience is and you just haven't realized it yet. Oh,
0: that's a good point. Have you seen that in authors that you've worked with as an editor?
1: Yes, sometimes, and we'll start having conversations about, well, who do you envision reading this book? If you had to picture somebody walking into a bookstore and they see your book and they have that, you know, that little happy squeal when they see your cover and think, yes, this is a book for me, how would you describe that person? What other books do they enjoy? What else do they enjoy doing? And that helps kind of that visualization process, in my opinion, at least with what I've found so far, has really helped with coming together and putting an audience together and saying, yes, I write for this kind of person. Or even when you have the author who might say, I write for myself. Okay, well, what are you like? What kind of person are you? What do you enjoy? What do you like seeing? What is your life like?
0: Those are the very important So there are ways to
1: pull those things out. And maybe you just haven't really thought about it before, but they're there.
0: I'm glad we're having this conversation because I've never thought about you mentioned what type of person walks in, sees your book and squeals on the shelf. It's a little bit of a silly scenario, but at the same time, that was the first time I was like, actually, I could probably answer those questions. Like, I think think there's just I've been trying to think about it a really, I guess, more. Do I do to say this boring kind of blocky way of who is, way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like who is the audience? Like, how old are they? What do they look like? So you know, I was like, Oh, I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when were they born? You no, know, all this stuff is just like, I don't know the answer to these things, but you know, when you put it that way of, you know, someone who, just another situation that came to my mind that I hadn't thought of the person that sits up reading your book because they can't go to sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. there's like, I'm reading this book and I can't get out of it. It's like, oh, I could, I might even be able to think of a person like that. So just creative ways to think about it.
1: And if you've already have books that you've written where, you know, those people, or they've posted on your social media or gotten in touch with you, you already have a glimpse of what your audience looks like. You know, it could be Joe in Wyoming who told me he read every book the day it came out. Well, what is Joe from Wyoming like? Mm -hmm. There you go. That is your ideal audience.
0: I I love that. I I know I have a pretty big fan in India, coincidentally, kind of randomly, but they they love my books and they've they've talked many times about how they couldn't believe that they were self-published. I was like, oh, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, yeah, knowing that person and getting to know them as well. I mean, it never hurts to get to know real people, too. Like you said, people who have talked about your books and gushed about them. Get to know them, befriend them, have that community. Mm -hmm. It's going to be worth everybody's time to get to know each other and, and learn about their preferences and, and reading and whatnot.
1: I completely agree. Yes.
0: So, I'm coming away with this with many ideas,
1: which right. is helpful. <laughs> so. yeah, I think it also helps them too, knowing that their author is not just, you know, an automaton sitting behind a keyboard typing out story after story that this is a real person and they do have a life apart from this. And there's just something about having that humanity injected into it. And the same Mm -hmm. with our readers, you know, we're not just seeing it as how much money did I get in my Amazon check this month or whatever. It's, oh, thank you, Joe from Wyoming. I see you bought my book. Thanks so Mm -hmm. much.
0: Yeah. We don't talk about the money because most of the time it's less than a dollar, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's it's better than that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do not write because you want it for the money. You have to really, really want to be doing this.
0: it's interesting that there are people like that because I am not that way I'm writing because I love it and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I I started writing my first book I've always wanted to write but I started writing my first book on a a challenge from my friend and I haven't been able to stop it just I can't stop (laughs) I just have to write because it's fun and you know five five published books later and you know (laughs) multiple other manuscripts I'm like oh this turned into a thing that I didn't expect it to turn into
1: your friend probably
0: didn't either. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just amazing how that happens. Mm-hmm. So find your audience, um, whether or not you write it down, think about it, try to understand it, see how that aids you in your marketing and in the writing of your future books. In the end, it's just going to be beneficial for you. Yeah. It's just the moral of the story, so to speak. Um, we happening. honestly, <laughs> <laughs> we probably could talk for hours about this. There's so many other things that we can, and other directions we could come at when it comes to um, learning your audience. But unfortunately, we are running short on time. So uh, I always love to ask you, uh, where can people find more information about you and your services if maybe they're interested in having you edit for them?
1: For my editing services, they can find me at jenyaedits.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-A-E-D-I-T-S. And from there, I'm also linked to my socials. So I'm on Instagram a lot, but that's more of a personal fun thing. Being an Mm. influencer with bigger, some of the bigger book publishers is just my hobby. Oh, cool. (laughs) Because it's fun.
0: (laughs) I think that's amazing.
1: Yes. And then I'm also the creative nonfiction expert at the National Association of Independent Writers and Editors. And I have a blog over there as well as a webinar.
0: Okay. That is awesome. I'll make sure to put all of these links in the show notes so people can easily access them. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. This has been very helpful.
1: Yeah, this has been fun. Thank you.
0: I hope you found that as helpful as I did, uh, when it comes to finding your audience, understanding your audience, I know there's a lot of work for us to do and a lot of things to learn. So I hope that you understand a little bit better about how to identify your audience ideas to go about it and you find more success in that. As usual, if you'd like to join the podcast, head over to dankenner.com slash podcast. You can fill out the form there. Share the podcast with your friends. If you, if you like the podcast, let them know about it. Other authors um, trying to find more listenership. I appreciate everybody who has been listening. Um, the, each episode gets a fair amount of listens, which I appreciate. But it seems that I'm gaining traction. And I know that it is because of you, my listeners, and sharing your word. So thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you next week.